Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly, and you can give us a call right now where Greg slash Gregory will answer. All you need to do is give him your first name, where you're calling from, and then he'll put it on the computer. And sooner or later, it'll get over to me. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, or concerns? Mr. Kelly, before you slip out of this studio, is this Studio B? I studio think, B. I don't know why this would be B. This should be A. No, A is behind you. Oh, that's too dark and little. Yeah, but still. Anyway, you have a very Irish shirt on. Now, did you did. buy that in Ireland? I did. I bought this at the Dublin airport right as we were leaving Ireland. It's probably wow. the best deal we got. It's pretty, yeah. Very impressive. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. It's, it's a and good you're, shirt. You're Irish as well as me. When I look at myself, though, I don't look Irish, but you do. I think I do, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'm very proud of it. I'm part Irish, part English. Same with me. They didn't get along for a long time, but 60- apparently my mom and dad did. You know, Ancestry. <laughs> Ancestry.com said, I'm 65% those two things. Are you really? Yeah. Oh, good. So, I need to do that. I haven't done that yet. Really? It's only yeah. 69 bucks. So. Really? Well, that's, uh, can you borrow? Can you loan me some money? <laughs> I'd, I'd like to try that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure that the, it will find that I am pretty Irish. Right. And pretty yeah. English. And you look very so. Irish with this shirt on. And I have my Irish hat in there. I'm not wearing it now, but the little Irish cap that I bought in Ireland as well. Oh, really? Yes. Because I noticed you didn't have your blues hat on, so that was surprising. No, I didn't. I wore my Irish hat today. Wow. Yeah. You are dedicated. Oh, uh, it's, a, it's a great day to be Irish. So are you going to go out to the parade? Uh, probably not. We're, we have going to the hockey game tonight, so I'm going to oh. go home and take care of some stuff there and then come back downtown for the hockey game. So. Go home and feed the birds. Feed the birds. Oh, man, they are eating. The other day we, we went through the, the store. My wife usually isn't with me when I buy bird seed. And she's like, you spend that much on bird seed every week? Said, yeah. When I used to live alone, I spent more on bird seed than I did on my own food. No way. Yeah. Because wow. they, they go through it like crazy. Yep. Yeah. So. Well, great. Thanks, Mr. Ireland. You're welcome. <laughs> Top of the day to you. Yes, folks, every Saturday we get together and we discuss your yard, your landscape, your garden, your house plants, how to improve your soils, what is potting mix versus potting soil, when you should be doing some pruning. Also, right now, I've had a couple questions last week about uh, fire blight. So this is a time of year when the fire blight is really exploding, more or less. So if you have Bradford pears or any other trees that are prone to fire blight. Fire blight means, how do you know you have it? It looks like the tips of your branches have been burnt. So in other words, like the, t- the tip, like 15, 12 inches or so, all the leaves are black. So what ha- is happening right now in very early spring is there's cankers on the new growth, and they will ooze a tan sap. And then this sap is picked up and spread around by rain, 
by winds, by insects, by all kinds of things. And uh, it just moves it to another tree. It can inoculate that tree by just being there. And it, the tree would absorb it through the bark and it can inoculate it with, guess what? This thing called fire blight. It's a systemic disease. And once it moves down into the plant, basically in root system, it's a goner. There's nothing can be done. So anyway, enough of that. So remember, this is a marathon and not a sprint. And most importantly, this is your show. And I appreciate you being here. Thanks to Greg. He's going to be producing again today. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. Written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. And I write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine. During the week, I do landscape consulting. And if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage, that's where my email address and phone number is. So you can contact me. We can set up a time. Today, after the show, I'm headed out to Chesterfield for a walk and talk. The Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Wow, flashing lights of lift bucket trucks. Stoplights blinking red. Silver barricade fencing lines both sides of the streets. Temporary orange, orange mesh fencing protects some of the street side plantings. Alternating green and white LED lights highlight the street lights. A pair of giant rabbits. Their ears are straight up. Yellow caution tape cordons off various wedges. Tents are being set up, and Johnny on the spots are sp- spicing up everywhere as long as well as a bunch of trash cans too the linton rose it's in flower full flower right now daffodils are well budded there's vendors there setting up their carts they'll be pushed up and down the street and also associated with those carts is a pile of dolphins dolphins all have clothes pins so they can be hung by the vendors I mean, these vendors have, they've been doing this for 40 years, the gentleman told me. They have hats and horns and bears and necklaces and flags and dogs and all kinds of different stuff. You couldn't believe how much stuff they can get onto one cart. Unbelievable. And they were setting up right adjacent to the Twain 1982, which is a Richard Serra sculpture. And, uh, wow, we... Great. This is going to be a wild time today. So the sky was starting to brighten, so I thought, hmm, maybe I should tell everybody where I was. I was right on Market Street, basically between 10th and 11th, and uh, St. Patrick's Day parade route. I think the runners are actually going to be on Olive versus on Market Street, so they wouldn't have conflict of those two things. So anyway, St. Patrick's Day, wow-wee. It is green, green, green. And the lawn is starting to look green. Too bad the trees aren't open, but that's okay. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Mike is on the road. Mike, how are you doing today? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Certainly. So I've got some pin oaks. <laughs> I've got five big pin oaks, and they have a pretty good infestation of the horn gall wasp. And so two-part question. Uh, first one, uh, is there anything that I can do to 
uh, save the trees. It's a pretty good infestation, so good that the conservation department came out and hang, hung some collection uh, things on there to, 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 to grab some of them. And the second part is all the grass underneath these trees, which is the vast majority of my yard, is, is pretty well gone. Um, and it seems to be related to that because the same thing happened at my dad's house when that when he got an infestation like that under it, 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 on his pinnacle. So, well, the, to be honest with you, the galls have nothing to do with your lawn. The, what's the problem with your lawn is there these trees, which you said are substantial age wise or whatever, have feeder roots right at the surface, and lawn cannot compete with you know tree roots. It just can't happen. So that's what's that. That's completely separate. It's the fact these are trees, whether they were maple trees, whether they were black gum trees. It doesn't matter what kind of trees they were. It's just you're not going to have lawn in that circumstance. I mean, you can go down to the botanical garden and check the shaded areas, and they overseed a couple times a year. They do all kinds of different things, but consequently, their lawn is always thin every year. Okay. And then with the galls, there's really not too much you can do. I mean. You can trap them. You've you've probably taken a good step. So consequently, there's I mean, you know, you trap a few wasps and that may help. But usually, what happens is the ones whatever trees or cluster of pin oaks or red oak family members, uh, guess you know, wherever they actually are born, they usually kind of stay there unless they're blown to other trees. So you're kind of like lost in both circumstances. Okay, so cutting them down is really about my only option then. Right. <laughs> yeah, and then, I mean, then the, the roots are still going to be viable for multiple years, even if you grind the stump out. So the feeder roots are still going to continue to compete with any kind of sod, seed, or anything else you put in that location. So understand, just because you cut the trees down, people always think it's shade. That is certainly somewhat of a factor, but it's the tree roots that are much more important as far as the survivability and strength of lawn. I'll be darned. Okay, well, thanks for the info. Yep, sorry. I hate to yeah. be the grim reaper. <laughs> thanks again. <laughs> thanks, Mike. And now let's go to Holly Hills, and that's where Bob lives. Hi, Bob. Good morning. Just a couple of quickies. Uh, can you buy a dozen roses at the florist or the grocery store and use those stems to pro- propagate a rose bush? No. Okay, thank you. <laughs> After you put down pre-emergent, how soon can you uh, plant grass seed? Well, it all depends on what type of pre-emergent it actually is. But in reality, usually you have a window of time of up to four weeks. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, sorry about the roses, but no, you can't. Uh, I mean, those roses have been cut a long time ago. And, and even it's very difficult off a live shrub rose or a live, let's say, a hybrid tea or granite floor that's in your own yard to take cuttings from that and p- to be able to root those cuttings. So it's going to be a tough job regardless. But no, anything, the cut flowers have been cut for a long time, multiple, t- you know, multiple days, and this, they're just not viable. So thanks, Bob, for calling. Let's go to Kim. And Kim is in southwest St. Louis. Hi, Kim. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have a, a deer infestation and groundhog, and I, they'll eat hostas right down to the ground. The deer will. Right. But I want to plant quite a bit of a culinary herb called Greek oregano. It's extremely strong-scented, and I was wondering if that would tend to be deer and rodent repellent. Well, let's put it this way. The, the oregano needs to be in full sun 
and very well-drained kind of poor soil all day long, every day. And that's not where hosta can grow, so it's not going to help with the hosta at all. No, the, the hostas, they grow. It's just the deer eats them down to the ground. I said I had a deer infestation. That deer and groundhogs, they devour almost everything in my yard. Right. And uh, the wood, uh, you know, that oregano, would that tend to be deer repellent? Would, because it's extremely strong scented, would they eat it? No, they don't. They won't eat it. No, good. But they'll pass. It, they'll walk know. right over the top of it and go eat something else, though. Right, but they wouldn't go after it. So no. if I planted a stretch of it, now let's see. What about groundhogs? Do, do you think it would repel rodents too? Uh, I don't know about the rodents, but my guess is if it's anything that's kind of strong like that. If you've watched groundhogs, usually they're—I mean—they're very particular. They don't even eat wild garlic or wild onions. No. So consequently, they like clover and very mellow type things. So my guess is they're probably not going to eat it, but you got to have, you know, the right circumstance for it to be successful. You know, sunny, 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 and kind of a poorish type soil. It grows here, except that I let it get overgrown with a uh, ground cover called crown vetch. Ooh. And, uh, I, wasn't up, I wasn't feeling up to par that year, and it just went right over it, and it's gone. Right. So I'm, I'm going to... to uh, Fence off a stretch, or you know, with a uh, you know, small garden fencing type. Sure. Well, thanks very much. Sure, enjoy your program. Well, great. great. Thanks for having me on your show. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm jumping the seasons here. Uh, St. Patrick's Day. Is that man's name really, Mr. Ireland? <laughs> Yes. It is. Uh, well, I, I know a Mr. England, so <laughs> you, you have, I have not heard of a Mr. Scotland. That's my answer. You, you have a good day. Yeah, his name is Mr. Ireland yeah. Kelly. Mr. England, I've, I've encountered that. Not Mr. Scotland yet. Or, who knows? Maybe they're in there. Right. You have, you have a good day. You do the same thing. Now let's head over to Brad's yard, and Brad lives in St. Louis. Hi, Brad. Hi, Good morning. I was just uh, wanting to ask about container gardening for vegetables. I noticed that some of the um, uh, buckets that you buy for that, um, they're black. And I picture the the root ball being in something that would be extremely hot. You know, on those days it gets 100 degrees. Sure. Would that hurt the, the plants? Basically not, because I've grown vegetables of all different kinds. You know, I can't say every type, but I've grown rhubarb, I've grown tomatoes, I've grown several other different types of things. The cool season vegetables doesn't matter. It's, a, you know, the summertime. We've grown peppers, and I always grow them in darker color containers because the heat of the, you know, the potting mixtures you're growing them in, that encourages root system growth. So that's what, you know, I mean, that's the real positive plus aspect of that. So, oh, so it could actually be more productive then. Exactly. So, I mean, it means your soil may dehydrate a little bit quicker due to the heat you know, being generated from the sun on the outside, penetrating in. But mm-hmm. you might just have to water a little bit more often. But beyond that, they're perfectly fine. Okay. So would a five-gallon bucket be big enough for a large tomato plant? Yeah, it should be. Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah. And, I mean, you're going to have to stake it and everything else or use, like, a you know, peony-type thing, support to put around it, you know, we've we've kind of stopped growing tomatoes, but we grew standard tomatoes for a while. Then we, Tracy decided she wanted to do the cherry tomatoes, and we've had good luck with both of them. So okay, is there any other vegetable you'd recommend for that? Well, man, we we've kind of stuck with more or less tomato family members, which the peppers are part of that family as well. Yeah. Other things, uh, you know, Cucumbers? like I said, I've grown rhubarb for several years in them, but that's not truly a vegetable. 
I haven't really grown asparagus, but I, I, I should probably try that. I don't like onions, but I like how they look. I've grown onions in them, but they're bulbs, so they're really easy, pretty easy to grow. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yep. Thanks, Brad. And uh, let's see if we can get another call in. Mike from South County. Mike, how are you? Good morning. Hi. I'm great. Thank you. I uh, I called in a it was four or five weeks ago, and I got these uh, these weeds growing in my backyard. I call them weed trees. They grow about an inch an hour. They grow to the high as a house. But you had told me to cut them off at a 45 degree angle and paint them with something. And I went and I tried to find something at uh, Home Depot to, to put on these to kill them, and I couldn't find anything that I could paint on them. What exactly were you talking about to put on these? I was talking about just using the concentrate Roundup for killing woody plants. Okay, concentrate Roundup for killing woody plants. Right. What it'll say okay. on the label, it'll say round. It'll say Roundup, but it'll also mm-hmm. then say you know killer poison ivy and woody plant materials. That will it'll say that right on the label. So I think it says poison ivy first before it says okay. woody plants. Okay, great. I appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, use the concentrate because, I mean, you want to be vicious with this. So just by, you know, opening the bottle, put a little in a, a Tupperware, take a paintbrush, and then paint it right on the open wound after you cut it. Right, and the way the weather's been, they're growing already quick, so I want to get I want to get handle them <laughs> as quick as I possibly can. So Absolutely. I don't have to cut them down ten times this year like I did last year. Exactly. Okay, thanks a lot for right. having me on your show. Well, thanks, and thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, take a look out at your lawn. I'll tell you what, yesterday, let's see, was it yesterday? No, it might have been Thursday. Thursday, I was walking down to the Snooks at Hampton and Gravois. But, you know, when I walk through, I always check out what's, you know, along the Greenway. But also then when I'm walking around along Germania, which Germania becomes Hampton, I look in people's yards. The hen bit, which is, you know, it germinated last August. It's a cool season weed, which will disappear when the weather starts getting hot, along with chickweed and several other ones. But the hen bit is turning purplish right now. So the leaves are purple and it has a purplish flower, too. So if you look out or you go out and walk around your yard, you see something kind of a clump grower or it does spread too that, you know, the leaves are purplish and it has kind of a pinkish purple flower on it and the stems are square, then you got henbit and that is a voracious weed and it is going to be dropping seeds continuously. And then those seeds will sit there all all the way up until next August or the upcoming August, and then they'll germinate again. So that's why I always recommend you know putting a pre-emergent down at that time of year. But then consequently, you cannot put any kind of grass seed down. So it's you know it's a give and take type circumstance. If your weeds are more problematic than having a thick lawn. Well, maybe get the lawn under control, maybe get the lawn as thick as you can, then go after the weeds, or do vice versa. You know, get the weeds under control, you'll have bare spots, yes, and then, you know, do the weeds, or the lawn seeding or sodding after that. Now, also, if you put sod down, a pre-emergent doesn't do anything to the sod, but you're screwing up the soil because a pre-emergent creates a chemical barrier on the surface of the soil, and as the weed seeds germinate, so even if you put sod down over the top of an area, if there's weed seeds there, they can germinate underneath that sod and penetrate and come up through. So it is more or less a losing battle. Carolyn lives in St. Louis. Carolyn, how are you today? 
Yes, I'm fine. Go Are ahead. Are you talking to me? I think so. Yes, okay. Now, someone told me I have moles in my yard, and someone told me if you get grass, um, hair clippings from beauty shop, and stuff that down in the hole that, that will smother them out. Did you ever hear that? Well, I've heard the hair can be somewhat of a repellent, but it has to be the tunnels that they're very active. And so you can't just, just stick it down in holes so and expect it to, you know, to get rid of them. They just don't like this, you know, the scent of you know, people, and that's, you know, so the hair is one way to do it. So it's a lot of work, and I don't know whether it's worth it or not. And definitely don't try to get the grubs under control thinking that's going to get rid of the moles. So you've you okay, got a very, well, I mean, it's a tough circumstance. I might try something different then. Thank you. Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've heard the hair story a lot, but to me, it would freak me out to see a yard full of hair as opposed to a yard full of mole tunnels. But that's just my own insanity. So my uh, Ann lives in West County. Hi, Ann. Yes, I'm trying to find out where I can get a jade plant. My daughter had one that died on her, and I want to get her one. Would, would, would the botanical garden be a place to go for that, or... Are there tropical? Yeah, any place that has more or less, you know, a kind of a greenhouse associated with their retail nursery should have them. So big box stores can have them. Local small garden centers can have them as well as the botanical garden. Oh, okay. All so, right. I mean, they're, I mean, they're pretty con- And sometimes I've even seen relatively small ones like at the florist area at Snooks or Deerberg's or something along that line, too. Oh, okay. I thought it'd be a big problem, but obviously not. <laughs> no, it's not at all. It's pretty common, you know, okay. as far as a houseplant. And uh, it, if she overwatered, just tell her to watch out. Anything that has big, thick leaves like that and big, thick stems, you know, really back off on watering. Okay, thank you very much for your advice. I appreciate it. Sure. And now let's head south and go to South County, and that's where Larry lives. Hi, Larry. Hey, how are you doing? Very good. good. I have two questions for you. Do you want one or two first? <laughs> I'll take 2.3. Okay, what are you guys, what, are you got, what project are you working on today? <laughs> what if, When I get home after my appointment? Right. I'm still doing some leaf pickup because we live right across the street from Christie Park. And every time the wind blows, we get, you know, another pile of leaves, you know, in the yard. Also, I'm, you know, I've got a lot of, you know, containers, pots that I put spring flowering bulbs in. And the tulips are coming up and exploding. So I'm probably going to, you know, fertilize those. You got, you're busy. All right. My question is, um, those little bushes. That the birds like to, um, those little berries, the, you know, which they're like bushes, like shrubs. You know which one I'm talking about? Well, there's several that have berries on them. No, just the real small, the like the little finches like it because they get cover and they can eat them. They're like little little pebbles. You know, it's like a bush. You know that one? I mean, it could be a barberry. Yeah, yeah. That's my question is is, is are those poisonous for people? You know, or where would I find that out? Uh, you could go online and check it out. But I think anything, as you know, those berries are really pretty tiny. And right. you'd have to eat a heck of a lot of them, even if you were a, a young child, before it's going to have right. any kind of, what? you know, what? impact. So I don't know that they're poisonous. There right. are, I mean, there are well, plants that have berries that are poisonous, like euonymus right. and a few other things. But still, you have to consume like a heck of a lot well, before it's going to be impactful. Right, but I'm I'm a, I'm a cook, so like junipers, you make gin. I'm just wondering if you just took a lot of them and pulverized them, what kind of 
flavoring would that be? Is my question. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> you know, like juniper berries. Juniper berries. You make gin, right? Right. Well, you make gin flavor. You don't make gin out of the berries. Right. No, I know. Okay. I, yeah. So you take what? You take a little, um, little rice and a little juniper and some water. <laughs> you got gin, right? <laughs> All right. So when I'm done golfing, you, you can make me some gin and we'll trade off. How's that? <laughs> hey, where's uh, where's Christie Park at? Is that West? Uh, no, it's like South City. So oh, it's like okay. kind of where, right. you know, Gravoy, Kings Highway, Christie right. Boulevard, all that stuff meet. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then the, the leaves, actually, it's funny because, uh, anyway, when people do the fall, I still got my leaves bagged up because my dad actually got hurt, and um, they wanted to throw them away. And I just threw them in the garden, and that's that's perfect time to mulch that baby, right? Yeah, you got to you make sure you blend it in. You know, right. I have a mulching mower sometimes if I'm sick of raking because I right. get too many. I mean, I get right. basically in one year, I'll probably get uh, 15, you know, trash bags that are 80, right. uh, 55 gallon trash bags of right. leaves. Well, these are, these are perfect. These are like, they just picked them right, in, right before Thanksgiving. There's like six of them and they're just, they're actually in the garden ready to go. And on these, like one of those, uh, mulcher, those tillers. Things. Right. And it's, it's ready to go right in there. It's like gift. You want, in fact, you want, if you want them, you can have them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks a lot. I love this. I've been, I've been listening to your show for like 10 years, but I've never had a chance to call in. And I used to work on a golf course site. Oh, like, you know, in those, those bulbs, we used to have like a warehouse or not a warehouse, but shelves of bulbs. And then the, the garden lady would just go, of course, you know, I was the grunt, you know, I dig them up, but, you know, she always plant them. So I, I know about those bulbs. So right. You, you got a long day, so I'll, I'll let you go. <laughs> well, thanks a lot. Right. Yeah, Thank I got you. an appointment. Yeah, I've got to walk and talk in Chessfield, then I'll come home and, uh, you know, do the stuff in the yard. So thanks, Larry. And now let's go to Tori from Webster Groves. Hi, Tori. Hi there. Hi. I have a question. So I'm about to put a new retaining wall in my front bed, and I have zoysia grass. Is there any way to prevent the zoysia grass from getting into my bed? <laughs> well, you know, it all depends. You can, you can use like a grass killer, you know, whenever it starts coming in. So I don't know the retaining wall, how high is it going to be? Is it on a slope? All those kind of things. It's a pretty flat yard, and the retaining wall is really quite small. It's, like, going to be just a couple inches. It's really just a way to separate my garden bed from my grass. Okay. that's. But what will happen is, depending upon what you're using to create the retaining wall, if there's a gap in between, and if it's some kind of rock or, you know, poured concrete in the shape of a rock or whatever, the you know, the zoysia can, you know, wiggle its way through that crack between each individual let's say block and come into it. But for the most part, it's not, I'm not going to say it's not going to do it, but just monitor it closely. If you start to see a sprig of any kind of grass coming up in it, just get a grass killer and spray it right onto whatever it is. After you squash the blades, so in other words, squash the blades, you know, spray a grass killer on it and that should get it under control. But no, I mean, it's not going to keep it. It's always is very invasive, but uh, it just depends upon how healthy it is. If this raised bed that you're doing is around a tree, that may have an impact on how aggressive and how healthy the zoysia is going to be, and that will affect the aggressiveness and invasiveness. Okay. 
Okay, because in the past I've had it at a different house, and it, the zoysia actually went underneath the rock and right. came back up out the other side. Right. right. It can certainly do that if it's in a healthy circumstance where it's in full sun and you take care of your lawn and everything else. If the zoysia is not really healthy, its tendency to do that is going to be much less. So let your zoysia get sick and you know, look horrible, and then you won't have to worry about coming into your raised bed. There you go. Can I ask another question that's, like, completely opposite from my backyard? Sure. Okay, so I have a dog who's 70 pounds, and he is tearing up our grass. Is there anything we can do to have healthy grass and still keep our puppy? No. Okay. Good to know. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's not only just if he's digging, that's fine, but just the compaction of running back and forth. He compacts the soil, and lawn cannot grow in that compaction. That's why you'll never, ever have, like, lawn growing, you know, growing along a fence or anything like that where they're, con- you know, consistently going back and forth. It's just the soil compaction. Okay. Cool. Thank you so yeah. much. Yep. yep. Good, Good luck. luck. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you got a tough circumstance. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Don't know how much lightning that you had last night, but realize what lightning does. Do you know what it does? Well, there's a lot of atmospheric nitrogen. So, in other words, nitrogen is like 78% of the atmosphere, the air. And so when there's lightning strikes, that brings the nitrogen. It changes the atom configuration of nitrogen and makes it so it can come down and fertilize, guess what? Soil, leaves, and all those other things. It's not going to be a thick fertilization, but lightning strikes actually doesn't. So a lot of times after rains where there's lightning, you gosh, everything looks so clean and shiny. It's because it got a foliar feeding Due to the fact that lightning strikes was changing the atom, the atom configuration of the nitrogen, making it usable for plants. Because plants cannot use nitrogen out of the air. So that's why and, you know, it becomes a gas. So when nitrogen you put down with your fertilizer, that's the first number in those series of three major numbers. It only stays there for a few days. <laughs> then it migrates up through the soil. Whoosh, and up into the air. So just realize that's what happens. That's why always, almost always, when you get a soil test done, it'll say you don't have any nitrogen there. You say, well, I've been fertilizing loyally, but that's because it becomes a gas, so it doesn't stick around. Anyway, let's go to Joan, and Joan is from South City. Hi, Joan. Hi, how are you? Good. Um, I was wondering, is there anything you can plant that two big male dogs won't kill? <laughs> um, hmm. I mean, not kill, but I mean, they can certainly, you know, if they're raising their leg up and, you know, urinating on it, it could certainly damage the foliage. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to kill it, but that's, there's not too much, you know, that's going to be able to resist that. If I was going to say one thing, <laughs> one thing they'll probably not do anything to, that would be like the yucca plant. Okay, and I hate yuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But I mean, with those steer with those spears sticking out, they're not gonna get too close to that thing. And I mean, for the most part, um, you know, there's the the damage is just gonna depend upon, you know, all the overall health of the plant and all that other stuff makes a difference on how well it's gonna do in relationship to this. But uh 
for the most part, it's not going to kill, but it just could make, because they always, you know, if one dog smells it and another dog smells it, they always, you know, kind of go to the same place. But I've got boxwood, I've got mugle pines and things like that, and I live in a neighborhood where a lot of people walk their dogs. And, you know, some people are very conscientious. They don't let the dog, let's say, urinate on the plants that are in somebody's yard. But other people, they're not really, you know, into that all that much or that worried. So, uh, you know, I don't see major damage on the boxwood or the mugle pine. Okay, because they've killed all the boxwood that I've put out. (laughs) <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> you got some tough dogs in that neighborhood. <laughs> well, it's a small area because it's Lafayette Square. So ah. So the yard is very little. Right. So. Well, my yard's pretty small, too. So. All righty. Well, I'll give it a try again. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, what you might do, too, is take a look at some of the plants that like a more or less an alkaline soil alkalinity and that's what your you know kind of urine is though that's not necessarily the problematic thing with the urine like maybe try some lilacs see what happens all right thank you so much sure now let's go to lucy and lucy lives in labadee hi lucy hello john neller how are you doing today? very good um i my front lawn consists of only uh periwinkle no grass it's done wonderful for years but i'm seeing bare spots which i saw at the end of last year so I think it needs uh, some help. Would, comp- would uh, putting compost over all of it help, or is there some kind of a other uh, something better? Well, probably what's happening is it, the same thing. Can, you're talking about periwinkle that has blue flowers in the springtime that's a broadleaf evergreen, yes. right? Yes. Ground cover. Yes. As plants age, whether it's the periwinkle or the ivy, a lot of times... They're, I mean, the plants, the original plants are just whatever plants maybe, you know, that have rooted along while it's filled in this whole area. They just die due to age. So what you might do, certainly you could put some compost down. That would certainly be to the benefit of the overall health. But also those areas that are bare where there's nothing there, you're probably going to have to end up getting some more periwinkle and replanting in those spots. Oh, Okay. So, but for overall, which I think needs help also, uh, compost is okay. And you just, uh, do I just spread it by hand? Is that okay? Well, you can spread it by hand if you like. It just makes sure you water it in. Okay. So in other words, it's just not sitting on top of the leaves. And what it'll do is it'll percolate down and it's kind of improve the soil because really that's one of the things, you know, people kind of miss. Your soil really feeds your plants. So even if you put fertilizer down, your soil has to fool around with that stuff to make it so the plant can use it. So consequently, you you know, I mean, a healthier soil is going to be to the advantage. So in the future, what you might do, I don't know how big this area is or anything else, but uh, to auger some holes. So in other words, get an electric drill and a drill bit for augering holes, and it's called an earth auger. Drill some holes and then just fill those holes with compost. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Certainly. Good luck with that. Thank you. Yeah, that's a lot of work. I mean, when you have very successful things, I was at a house probably, I think it was last year or maybe two years ago, and they had a great successful ivy ground cover in the, you know, in the front. I think it was a front landscape. Now, this might have been a condominium association. I can't remember specifically, but the plants had been put in like 20 plus years ago. And they were, had really elongated stems. Now, at the end of those stems, the foliage of the ivy really looked good. But they had like three or four feet lengths with no leaves on it at all. 
And it was just, you know, the fact that the plants were getting older. The reason why there was leaves on the end of it is because it was actually rooting as it went along. And just the older stems, they just kind of lost the capability. So just because something is evergreen doesn't mean it's necessarily going to always have, guess what, leaves. But other things that you need to be thinking about in your landscape, landscape, if you do have roses that you've mulched, start pulling the mulch back a little bit. Don't do it. You don't have to pull it all off at once. But let's say over hybrid teas, grandiflores, and things like that, you put eight or nine inches, you know, take about three or four inches of it off. Your soils around broadleaf evergreens, dogwoods, and plants that like acidic soils, you can put sulfur down to make sure that the soil pH is correct. And the soil pH is really important because if the soil pH is not correct, even if you put fertilizer down, you put iron down and other things, the plants are not going to be able to, root systems are not going to recognize it. So getting, you know, somebody actually emailed me and they were having problems with 10-year-old hollies that were really fading and really starting to lose almost total green. So consequently, they were turning yellowish with the veins still green. So I said, you got to get some iron sulfate. you got to get it down there. The best thing to do, though, before you even do that, assuming that's going to be the problem, and probably it will be, but get a soil test done. And that way you're going to know specifically what's going on in your soil in relationship to what you should do and what you should not do. But usually when broadleaf evergreens start turning a yellowish, that means... The soil pH is bad, and then there, if there is even iron there, the soil pH being off, the plants go, well, that might be iron, but I can't really use it at this particular, you know, in this particular time. So that's why iron sulfate is really important. Uh, I haven't seen any pansies yet, but I like, you know, spring flowering annuals like that, pansies and toad flax both. So I'm going to check a couple garden centers on my way out to Chesterfield today. Your ornamental grasses, get those, you know, put a bungee cord around them and then cut them off because there's a couple, (laughs) one in particular, house down the alley from me. And they have some big maiden grasses. And, boy, these are just shattering. And they're just, you know, the big blades are blowing up, unfortunately, in my direction. So even if it wasn't in my direction, it's something that you need to be really concerned with. So, you know, cut those ornamental grasses down. And uh, let's see, what else should we be thinking about, just kind of in general? You know, we've had some definite, you know, rainfall, but I don't know, you know, in your neighborhood if the rainfall has been adequate enough. So I actually turned on one of my faucets, so I'm going to start watering, not necessarily lawn, but definitely some other things because nothing is worse than dehydrating plant material in the springtime. So if we're not having the adequate rainfall, we had great lightning the other day. But we didn't get very much rain at all. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. A proud partner of the 2018 100 PGA Championship at Bell Reef Country Club. KMOX, KMOX HD, St. Louis. KZK HD3, St. Louis. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law.